All right. <clears throat> living and the right to continue living is like driving on a two-way, two-lane cycle up one side, down the other with a middle yellow line, which safely guides and warns all drivers to stay on his right side of the road, coming or going. Human chiropractor drivers use discretion, judgment, reason, and logic. Too many have misguided theories. Each driver has no right to wobble, weave, or squeeze up to or trespass onto or cross over the yellow line. If he does, sooner or later, he'll run into the other fellow coming from the other direction on the other side of the yellow line, or the other fellow coming from the other direction on the other side of the yellow line runs into him. In either event, a smash up, a wreck, human lives lost. The yellow line is the dividing line between <clears throat> where each must keep from. Medical drivers also have a, have a right to their right side of the yellow divide. Chiropractic drivers also have a right to their right side of the yellow line. The moment any medical man crosses the yellow line into the chiropractic lane, he's in trouble. Or the moment any chiropractor crosses the yellow line of the medical lane, he too is in trouble. The medical driver on his side of the yellow line has no business thinking he can sneak over the, the center yellow line on the other side of the highway. Neither has the chiropractor on his side of the yellow line any business thinking he is entitled to slip over unobserved the yellow line into his medical territory. Either way, both would occasion a smash up with injuries to patient passengers on both sides of the highway. It is always the other fool one needs to watch carefully. Don't be a yellow line chiropractor. <clears throat> so I bring this up because I have three interesting uh, anecdotes to talk to you about with three different patients that we saw this week. And I always like keeping things current. So this is like real stuff that really happens, right? I want you to just be aware of what's happening in practice today. So <clears throat> yesterday, this patient comes in and he's in his mid-30s. And for the last several years, he's been going to different eye doctors and even a ophthalmologist uh, because he's getting this weird vision issues where like parts of his vision, especially in the periphery, are, are blurry. <clears throat> and he's gone to these three different doctors uh, and he's had three different exams and guess what they've told him? You're fine. You've got 20-20 vision. There's no problems with your vision whatsoever. So he's telling me this <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> <excuse> me, <clears throat> I look at his eyes and just as I'm as we, we talked about this before, I'm looking at his eyes, I'm saying, I just don't feel like he is focusing both of his eyes right on me. <clears throat> so I say, all right, <clears throat> let's do a little tracking test, right? This is not an expensive test. I needed no equipment for this whatsoever except for my hand and a pen. I took out a pen and I went like this. I said, okay, follow my pen. And it went like this. I went back and it went like this very slowly. I went back. What did I see? <clears throat> Nystagmus. I'm like... I said, did you feel your eyes doing that? He said, yeah, what was that? <clears throat> I said, well, when you're, try to be very simple with him, when you're, when you're looking at something, right, you're using two parts of your brain, left and right side, so when it's crossing over something you're, and your eyes can't figure it out, it's gonna shimmy like this, right? There's a disconnection going on in there. I said, <clears throat> none of the other doctors, three other doctors in the last couple of years have done this test to you, no. I'm like, how is that possible? This is a simple test, right? Wouldn't you, if, if you, if, I don't understand. If you're an eye specialist, wouldn't you think tracking is something you'd look at? I would think that would be an ordinary test, right? And I said, okay, let's try accommodation. So I hold on to his chin again, and I bring my pen in like this, 
And what happens? Nystagmus. Again, with one of his eyes, his left eye is shaking. I said, Come on. I said, did you feel that? Yeah. I said, your brain is not processing. I said, your eyes may actually have 20-20 vision. But we're not talking about reading a Snell and eye chart and saying, okay, what does that letter, you know, what does that line say? What does that line, how about that line, right? right? That's all well and good if you want to fit someone in for glasses or if you want to do a very cursory exam on how your eyes are focusing on whatever letters. But it doesn't tell you how it's functioning, right? Chiropractors are about function. That's why we are nerve system doctors. We are all about function, right? And so this is a, he's like, what's, what's, what's going on? I said, I don't know what's going on. I don't have MRIs and CAT scans and QEGs. All I know is that your eyes aren't working right. And what we're going to do next couple of months, aside from adjusting you, is we're going to give you some exercises for your eyes. See if this strengthens your eyes and see if it helps your brain. Because it's not, the a problem isn't really your eyes. The problem is your brain. Just, the problem is your processing. The problem is your, your body's interpretation of what it's seeing. Right, so let's try that for a little while, and then we could always go further and get other evaluations. But let's see if this works, right? So talking about this thing over here, that I'm not crossing over a line, right? I didn't cross over a line. I stayed on my line. I'm doing a very simple neurological test, but I found something that no one else found, and that's the amazing thing. And that's what I get all the time from patients. Well, nobody's ever found that before. I'm like, well, nobody's ever looked. Right? When we test primitive reflexes, when we look at eyes, when we do a lot of these neurological tests, they're so simple, easy little things, but nobody ever looks. We have to look. It's not about just touching someone's back. Right? Don't do a chiropractic exam and you say, I'm going to do my chiropractic exam and just touch their back. Right? That's just touching their back. Right? The back is just the beginning. That's not the whole exam. Right? And let me trust me, the orthopedic test is not your exam either, right? Orthopedic tests are great to find out if someone has a disc problem and a brachial plexus injury and, and you know, you have this, okay, got it. But that's not chiropractic, right? It's gonna, it's gonna zero you in on is there a disc problem or did this person have, you know, some other kind of issue. But it's not a chiropractic thing, right? I want to do tests on my patients that are gonna give me valuable information as to what I need to do later on with them, right? So in clinic, you're gonna to have to do all these bazillion tests on everybody, you know, you, you're like someone has a shoulder issue, you're like, oh God, not a shoulder issue. Because now you have to do this whole 50,000 shoulder tests, right? When someone has a shoulder issue by office, I don't do 50,000 tests. I pick the highlights. Right? But that's something you're going to figure out over time. In the clinic, you've got to do all this stuff because you've got to pass boards and, and you've got to pass OSCE. So you've got to do all the 50 different tests. But when you're in practice, you want to hone in. Right? And you only want to do things that are give you valuable information as to A, what am I going to adjust? And B, what exercises am I going to give? If I don't get information from that, then I'm really not interested unless I think there's, like I said, a serious thing like disc issue or whatever. But other than that, I'm very focused on what I want is my test de a deliverable, right? Am I gonna get information from this, right? So that's my first story. Second story, one of our favorite patients has, uh, comes into the office last Monday. Uh, she is 40 weeks and a couple days pregnant. Um, any Braxton Hicks? Yeah, a little bit here and there. You know, it's coming, going, going you know, pretty much all day long. I'm getting something, good, excellent. So uh, we adjust her 
and send her home. She goes out to dinner that night with her husband. She's at dinner and she's like, oh, wow, this is getting kind of strong. They go home, her water breaks, two hours later she has the baby. In two hours, right, two hours she has the baby, right? So we, another great chiropractic story. She's like, you guys are so awesome, you know? Um, and I'm like, wait, it's not me, this is you, right? This is your body doing what it's supposed to, right? Having a really awesome, you know, labor. Baby's had, has trouble nursing. So we send the baby, uh, I think the baby, I see the baby, and I, I said, I think the baby might be tongue-tied. Um, so we send uh, them uh, to uh, a specialist to check out the tongue-tie. And instead of the specialist being gentle with this young lady, he is really rude to her, saying, you haven't given it a chance, and you don't know what you're doing, and just like saying really not very nice things to her, making her feel really bad about her decision to nurse. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that's crossing the line. Right? Have some common courtesy. If someone's concerned about something, don't act like, what's wrong with you? Just keep on trying. Right? Come back in a couple weeks if it's not working. So she comes in like practically in tears, and I said, okay, so if they don't think it's tongue-tied, you know, maybe what you should do? Maybe what you should do is make believe it's tongue-tied, make believe that the child had the tongue-tied you know, clipping thing, and do some of the exercises that you would have done if it was a tongue-tie to loosen up stuff, right? Maybe she just has some really tight lips and really tight tongue. Maybe we should just do the exercises that you normally would have done if there was a tongue tie to loosen it up. And she's like, thank you. And I didn't have to say that, right? The specialist should have said that. The specialist should have said that. You know, I, I, you know I, I'm looking at the baby and I don't really see it this, uh, from him. I look at the baby, I don't really see a tongue tie, but maybe you should do some of these exercises just to loosen things up, just to do something. She walks out with nothing except for feeling bad and practically in tears, right? Nobody has the right to do that. There's no doctor on the planet has the right to humiliate a patient, including you, right? I have had other patients come to me who have gone to other chiropractors and they said, that chiropractor has put so much fear into me and made me feel so bad about myself and what I've done that I didn't want to go back. Do not do that. Do not go into fear tactic selling. You don't need to. You don't need to sell chiropractic. Chiropractic sells itself, right? If you tell them the story and you tell them with love, that's what they want. They just want someone to pay attention, right? Just to pay attention and to be nice. How hard is that, right? Such a shame. These kind of things I'm telling you, it's a real world stuff, right? So then I, here's the third thing. And there's another patient comes in yesterday. New patient. Show him his x-rays, he's a wreck. Like, this guy's one of the worst spines I've seen in a long time. This is a guy who's telling me, I've been to chiropractors all my life. All my life, really. How often do you go? Well, whenever it hurts. I said, that's not acceptable anymore. He said, why? I said, well, I said how are you going to fight this? How are you going to fight this degeneration? What are you going to do? What's the plan? Well, I, I didn't even know I had that kind of stuff. I said, really? So you've been to all the chiropractors and nobody's ever told you that you have phase five degeneration in your cervical spine and in your lumbar spine. Nobody's ever told you that. No. I said, well, what are you gonna do? What's the plan? I don't have a plan. I said, I'll tell you the plan is you gotta fight gravity, right? Because if you're like this and you're in your 40s and you have horrible spinal posture from some very bad injuries, that you had as a kid. If you have horrible spinal posture, where's gravity taking you? 
down, right? So here's your 40, here's your 50, here's your 60, and then you're 60 years old saying, where does hump come from? It came from when you were 30 and when you were 40 and you started recognizing, gosh, I'm getting this kind of hump, but I guess it's just the way it is, right? Instead of saying, I gotta fight gravity. I gotta fight this. I said, I'll tell you how you fight gravity, is you get adjusted. You get adjusted. Now you need to exercise too, I'll show you those. You need to eat right, keep yourself in trim, that's important too. But the key thing, you gotta fight gravity. If you don't fight gravity, you ain't gonna win. Right? Now gravity is gonna take us all someday, right? There's no way around gravity winning eventually, right? But <clears throat> until that eventually comes, right, we gotta fight it. So I call him up after his first adjustment. Very important thing you should do after first adjustment is call your patients. Right? Even you in clinic, even if the person has been adjusted a bazillion times before, even if you're in student clinic and the person is another student, you still call them up. And what do you ask them? No, you don't ask how you're feeling. No, 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 no. If you ask how you're feeling, then you're setting yourself up as I'm a pain doctor. You say, what do you think of the experience? Do you have any questions? Just want to check in with you. Not about how you're feeling, because trust me, if they don't feel good, what are they going to do? Right, they will tell you, right? So you don't have to worry about asking the question, right? You want to set up for what you want to occur, right? So you don't ask how you're feeling. And how you set this up is, here's another really important tip. In your first adjustment, once again, even if the person has been adjusted there for, forever, even yesterday was there, that adjustment, now there's a first adjustment with you. In your first adjustment, you're going to say to them, one of three things happens. Either A, nothing, B, you feel better, or C, you feel worse. One of those three things. I don't know which. We try to minimize the last one, right, because our technique is so good. So we try to minimize the, the soreness and stuff. But it is possible. But it's one of those three things. And make sure they get it. Make sure they nod their heads. I understand. Makes sense, right? Because then, what happens when you call them, if any of those three things happen, you're a hero, right? So if they, if you, I called this guy last night. I said, hey, so what do you think of your first adjustment? I actually feel a little bit better. I said, great, we said that. Now I called someone the other night. I said, what do you think of your first adjustment? You know, well, how'd you like the experience? I actually feel a little sore. Well, yep, I warned you about that. Yeah, I know, it's all right, it's all good, right? What happens if I didn't warn them? What'd you do to me? What'd you do to me? Right, how it works, right? If you don't warn them, they don't know. But most of the time, people are the same. Most of the time, there's no change. And they say, you call them up, you say, hey, what you think of your first adjustment? You have a good experience? Yeah, it's about the same. Yeah, just like we talked about, right? So no matter what, you, no matter what happens, you covered it, right? That's why you do that. So I called this guy up last night, and I said, what do you think of your experience? And he said, actually, I, I feel a little bit better. And he said, and what's amazing about feeling a little bit better is I actually feel better knowing how messed up my spine is, and I feel better understanding I'm not going to adjust it for the rest of my life at least once a week. Now, this guy's been a chiropractor all his life. Why didn't any other chiropractor share that with him? Right? We have a responsibility. Do you understand that? We have a responsibility. It's not a sales pitch. Right? It's not, it's not something I don't have to twist his arm to convince him. All I got to do is show them the facts. Here's the fact, your spine's a mess. Here's the fact, you don't take care of your spine for the rest of your life, it's going to fall apart, just like a tooth would with a cavity. 
right? If you got a cavity and you say, ah, I'll just take care of it in a couple years. Bully for you, see what happens. Will that just affect that tooth? Or now will the entire teeth, the, the, all the teeth will start getting affected around it, right? So you have to make it simple. When we talk about this to patients, you keep it really simple and you drill it home and it's not about the, the amount of care and it's not saying three times a week. You know, I don't care what your care plan is. I don't care what your adjustment style is, whether you use Activator, Thompson, Toggle Recoil, Gonstead, it's all good. Network, it doesn't matter, it's all good. What matters is do they get the importance of what you do? And if you keep it on their back and not on their nerve system, then it's not very important. Right, the, the back, the backbones are like, all right, they're over there, I don't really care. You know, I don't even see them. But you talk about their nerve system, that's everywhere, right? It becomes a bigger issue. So when you talk to your patients, and I'm telling you now, 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 when you're in clinic is the time to practice this stuff. Even with your students in student clinic, practice your report of findings. Practice talking about the nerve system, not the backbones. Practice talking about lifetime care. Make the mistakes now. Sharpen your saw now. So when you're out in the real world, and you're an associate or your own practice or you have an independent contract, you don't make those mistakes and have them cost way more. Now they don't really cost you, right? They may cost you some numbers in clinic, but they're not gonna cost you. You understand? You have to get so good at communication. The number one thing you gotta get good at is adjusting. The number two thing you gotta get good at, and it's gotta be really close, is communication. Being able to communicate why, you are, why that patient is there. They need that, they need that from you. They need to understand that, right? Because if you communicate super effectively when you first meet them, right, then they get it, right? So you take someone who's been to a chiropractor his whole life and nobody's ever told him the importance of getting adjusted on a regular basis with, without exception. Now he has a reason why, right? You gotta give them a reason why, not just because, or not just, we just have to line up your backbones. We have to make you feel better. That's not gonna go very far, right? Because once they feel better, they'll just stop. Or if they don't feel better, they'll stop. But if you get that I have to fight gravity, that's a whole different level of playing, right? And that's what we want. We want them to go on a different playing field than just make me feel better, right? Fix me, right? We wanna take them in a whole different direction.